Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Also amazing content creation. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com. Hi everyone, this is Jen Flem with Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for being here. Joining us today is Dr. Devin Redman and Lindsay Anusis with Child and Family Development. And I had to pull in the experts here because today we're talking about technology and so- social media and how that's affecting our children. How does this affect them in both positive and negative ways? And um, we're just so glad to have you guys here and to pick your brain. Thanks. Thanks. We're excited Thank to you. be here. Um, okay, so we'll dive right in and go from here. But in your opinion, when should children be allowed to start with a smartphone? We're going to talk with smartphones first and then lead into everything else. Okay, so there's not a universal answer or recommendation for when kids should first get a smartphone. Um, it's different for every parent and every child. Um, in my practice, I often see kids getting their first smartphones sometime in middle school. Um, But things that I suggest parents consider are their child's time management skills, whether their child has shown appropriate use of family devices and their school computer, um, and how careful they are with their belongings. So those are some things I would keep in mind when making that decision. Well, and also I think a lot of parents skim over the fact that even though they don't have smartphones, they actually already have smart devices, except they're just not mobile. That's right. So when you're talking about smartphones, um, you really need to think, take it a step back and think about the applications that they're using on their smart devices. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people don't think about that. They're like, oh, I, I got a phone. And phones are great for location. Uh, and that's a lot of people justify the early time of smartphones. But if you watched The Social Dilemma, which I think pretty much you guys have all watched it. I've watched it on Netflix. Um, just them talking about smartphones and when their kids are going to enter social media and all of that. And they all say no. They're the ones who mm-hmm. designed these platforms, which we'll get into a little bit more. Um, so so we talked about age. What about – so going back into that, social media. And social media can be defined as – there's a lot of platforms that – children are using that parents don't even realize it is actually a piece of social media it's they're connecting with the world on their games Mm -hmm. their phones their um, apps so um, let's talk about social media and teenagers yeah so the recommended age for most of the actual platforms in their terms of service is 13 but I do think this is where your judgment as a parent comes in. There are a few things to think through. So I do think it sends a good message to follow the rules. Um, if a site says 13, I think it's good to yeah. abide by that rule. And um, they're designed to be addictive. And as adults, we're not really even equipped to um, regulate our own social media use. So teenagers certainly are not equipped either. Um, so putting it off as long as possible, I think, can be uh, very helpful. But at the same time, 
um, I do see a lot of children, like starting sixth grade, starting to create secret accounts. And if you as a parent have put your foot down and your child starts a secret account, then you're not able to monitor what they're doing and you're not able to provide that guidance. So that's where I think, again, it's an individual decision. You know, as a parent, you are the expert on your child. And so if you think that your child might be prone to potentially creating a secret account, that's something you want to take into consideration when you're thinking about age. Yeah, I think you can tell if your kids are a little bit more advanced socially. And those are the those are the ones that you probably want to hold off on as much. But um, yeah, the secret accounts and just how kids are navigating, they're smarter in technology than we are. Oh, yeah. There are mm-hmm. 10 steps ahead of us, um, except for me plim children. <laughs> um, and so, you know, how a lot of parents, there, there's been a big movement over the last couple of years about wait till eighth. And even on the social dilemma, all of these are, um, these are the founders or early executives on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, things like that. And they're like, no, you know, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, but anyway, what is your thought on that? So um, I think that the people who have created these apps are certainly giving us feedback that they don't want their own children using them. And I think that's something that we should definitely not take lightly. Um, They know what's going on behind the curtain. Um, and they have concerns. They do give us some recommendations for things that we can do uh, to minimize our child's risk online. And I do think that there are a lot of things that parents can do. Um, I'm, I'm hopefully cautiously optimistic about potentially being able to course correct with this, but there are definitely a lot of concerns in this area. Yeah, and I think that they... Um They also say that they don't want their kids using these things, but their kids are probably no more than elementary school. So that's a lot easier said than done, and including the folks who started the the Wait Till Eighth or a lot of people take that pledge or took the pledge a couple years ago. But then when their kids are there, they're left out. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you – how do you coach – because because we all know actually they should wait until they're twenty right or thirty <laughs> right we know that um, but but at the same time there's there's negatives to being left out of all this stuff and and let's um, so let's talk a little bit about the platforms and then kind of break those down and I'd love to start with Instagram since that's early and then move into Snapchat because that's kind of their primary source of communication. So talking about Instagram, kids join that 13, um, mm-hmm. but usually by sixth grade, kids are on Instagram and they're not, th- there's no way they're 13 yet. But um, what type of trends do you see in how particularly girls are communicating with each other and how they're I've seen, um, you know, there's a lot of different trends that you see and you're like, oh my gosh, I can totally see through that. And your child is like a deer in headlights, you know, getting served up, you know. So what do you think about that? Sure. Um, So, you know, the the four main social media platforms that kids are using often are YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat. Um, I think Facebook is probably more of like an older generation. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of moved out. Um, But with Instagram, it's you know, the highlight reel of the best parts of people's lives. And I think a lot of times kids are feeling left out, you know, FOMO, um, just seeing the highlight reel. There's lots of comparisons and imposter syndrome. Um, right. Particularly with girls. A lot of girls feel that maybe they don't look the way their peers do or maybe they're not doing the things that their peers are. And it can have 
substantial negative impacts. Um, you know, with other things such as TikTok, there's all these these challenges that can have negative, again, negative impacts. Like there was the um, Benadryl challenge where kids were right. taking Benadryl and inducing hallucinations just to see, just because it was fun. Um, so sometimes, you know, having that peer pressure that isn't necessarily in person, but, you know, maybe non-direct is having a really big impact on them as well. Yeah. Do you see, I I feel like I see more, more mean girl behavior um, because the platforms are there and and because there's there are they have access to the kids older than they are and they can see oh okay well I want to be this popular girl and she you know drank alcohol or did this mm-hmm. to be this and started in 8th grade or whatever or they have siblings and I I feel like there's more of that going on because there's access you know there's open access to older kids at a younger age you know and there's reasons that we weren't allowed to hang out with our older brother or older sister in mm-hmm. middle school and high school, but they see it all go down and they see their private stories on Snapchat mm-hmm. and then, you know, they, they have access to everything. And so I'm wondering, like, do you in your practices, do you see more depression in teens, um, and particularly girls with, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I feel like with Instagram and TikTok-ish not more Instagram. It's a little more girl centric. TikTok, you know, the boys are trying to mm-hmm. be the next TikTok famous person um, and grow their following, which is <laughs> mm-hmm. really fun to watch. Um, but you know, what do you think about that? I'm definitely seeing a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, anxiety, um, right? Lots of just social comparisons. Um, people feeling like they have to put on the show in a way, and they're right. not able to actually show who they really are, um, which has led to, they call it like a Finsta, a fake Instagram. Um, and sometimes, you know, beneficial in that they can have their own private following that they can kind of explore who they are without the pressure. Um, right. but, but for the most part, I feel like a lot of my clients are dealing with depression because they're not living the way their peers are through Instagram. Or, their, or what they think their or, peers are. Exactly. Like. Just the highlight reel. Right. Um, lots of anxiety. Um, like I said, FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, you know, it's reducing their actual real life interactions, you know, especially with COVID too. That's been right, really hard. Right, which has thrown yeah, everyone off for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's almost like they are trying even harder to put together this life through social media. Um, and it's it's having all kinds of negative implications for their mental health. Um, on some, you know, on some points, there are benefits with, again, COVID, with being able to interact with peers. But I think specifically with Instagram, there's lots of just comparison and that can definitely lead to, to depression and anxiety. Well, and just the patterns, um, you know, when kids hang out from from a parent's lens, you're like, you can you kind of skim the surface and you're like, oh, that's fine. But really behind the scenes, they're, um, you know, they're excluding and mm-hmm. then they're they're deliberately excluding people and then they're blasting it all over Instagram and Snapchat and their private stories and such. And, um, you know, at a younger age, there's I feel like our kids are all anxious. And mm-hmm. how do you treat that? How, you, you know, they come to me and say, I'm, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. And, you know, anytime I've talked to my doctor and I'm overwhelmed and I'm like, I have 
anxiety. I need something. And she's like, are you getting out of bed? And my answer is yes. Well, then you don't need something. You need to, you know, you need some kind of mental support, but you don't need medication or whatever. Like, how are you, how are we supposed to treat our anxious children um, who wouldn't typically be anxious children, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that when in doubt, it is always a good idea to uh, seek professional help. I think for for kids, um, there's a really substantial amount whose uh, mental health issues go untreated um, because we think, oh, this is just normal teen angst. So I think when in doubt, uh, get professional professional help. Um, But things that you can do at home, maybe to reduce that FOMO, um, remind your child that what they're viewing is somebody else's highlight reel. Um, you can even search. They have some Instagram versus reality posts that show what the finished Instagram post is versus the behind the scenes and what yeah. really went into it. Um, narrate your own experiences. So if you are, you know, sitting in the living room with your family and you're you're scrolling on Facebook and you can say, "Ooh, I noticed that I'm feeling a little bit anxious right now. I'm seeing posts of other people's vacations. It's making me feel like, you know, we didn't have as fun of a weekend. And I'm going to put my phone down and I'm going to read a book or I'm going right. to watch something." funny on TV. Um, When your child goes to group events, um, help them think through, okay, so if you post some things from your friend's party, um, how are the people who weren't invited going to feel? Um, So just helping your kids think through those issues. If you're hosting something at your house, um, maybe you even require uh, the people who attend to to put their phones in a basket and then give the kids disposable cameras or take some Polaroids. And that can even be like a part of their goodie bag at the end is being able to take home a little photo album or a flip book of of what you did together rather than posting it online. I've noticed – so I have a college – sophomore um and the disposable cameras that's a trend now and it's so funny because they're like disposables exclamation point because they have no idea what they're gonna look like and they actually look real they don't look they look happy they look they're laughing yeah they're more candid yeah and Mm -hmm. i'm like hello welcome to how we grew up we had no idea what pictures we were taking and not as much documentation but it's really funny that they are so excited about this disposables trend and I'm like duh you should (laughs) have been doing that five years ago it's so funny um so when you talk about social media is there a reason for it to be important for teenagers um like what do you think about a positive piece of it I think it can be a great way for them to connect um you know they can connect with friends who maybe are at a different college, like with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to stay connected, a great way to um, keep up with what they're doing in their lives um, and to maintain those friendships, even if they're not as close in proximity as, you know, maybe that's something we, we or even generations before us struggled with. Um, it's a different way to, to communicate. Well, it's a way for them to kind of bridge the gap with communication, you know, like especially right now kids are um, – connecting all over they're connecting with all their friends from home and college and such and so you know there's definitely some positives and there's some positive social give backs too you know that kids are involved in um you know charities and things like that so i think a lot of parents you know struggle with this and we're like well it's their reality Mm -hmm. and if we block them from it um that's not a good thing like i've i've read in the early you know like my, I've told you that I guess this when you first came in, but my kids are a hundred percent the guinea pigs of the social media generation, and the jury's out on what 
the impact of their mental health is in the next 20 years, you know, and and then all the teenagers behind us. So that's why that social dilemma came out and they're feeling guilty because the intended use of these platforms is not what is happening, you know, and they're feeling like, oh, no, you know, what are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And as a society, what are we supposed to do? And no one knows really what we're supposed to do. Um, But anyway, it's it's just interesting to see what's going to happen with them and and um, and and just you know, what's to come? Like, what do you think is coming? I feel like there's a wave coming and I don't know what it is. And um, I hate that it's my, I have four. I hate that it's all of them, but it seems to be worse with the oldest one because of she hit um, her people, you know, her pledge, we call it pledge class. They hit Instagram in sixth grade. That's a terrible time. It really is. And, un, and unsupervised. It was open to the world. And I remember talking to her and she was like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is so popular. She has 6,000 people who are who are her friends. And I was like, probably 5,890 are serial killers or who knows who they are, you right. know, or bots or whatever. And so, you know, it was a challenge because these kids rose to stardom almost because their parents just they might have been the youngest, or they don't. They don't have any idea about technology. Um, right. There was no guidance for parents none. back then. And they're in college. These kids are in college, and I'm watching how they communicate, and it's terrible. It's all. Yeah. It's they're texting from each other's rooms. You know, like a con, a minor conflict. Like, did you leave the dishes in the sink? It's a text. I'm like, how about go knock on the door and ask the right. person to. Do your dishes, or and then it turns into mis, you know, miscommunication. Um, so I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of big stuff coming, and you guys will see it in your practices. Um, but what what do you think is coming? So I think we're starting to see it already right now with those increases in anxiety and depression. It's impacting people's sleep. We're seeing an increase in self-harm. We're seeing an increase in suicide attempts. And no, not all of this can be attributed to social media, but it's definitely, I think, a trend that's contributing. I would say 99% of it is. Yeah, I think think it's definitely a main contributing factor. Um, And so I think now people are really starting to increase their awareness of the impact of social media and... um, Um, That's why, you know, there is that movement for more ethical use of technology and parents are doing whatever they can do to become informed um, to Mm -hmm. how to provide guidance for their children. Um, And and I can speak a little bit about some of the just practical things that um, parents can do to minimize their child's risk online. So like thinking about limiting what your child can download on their phone. So you mentioned earlier, um, not everything has to be on the cell phone device. You can maybe allow your child to only look at YouTube on the family iPad or the family computer. At um, what age, like at the early age, like, like mm-hmm. entering. Yes, yes, when you're first getting started. Right. Or if they've shown maybe poor judgment. Right. Um, check in with your child about who they're connected with online. So how do they know their friends? Do they know their friends in real life? And consider age restrictions as well. So to your point about people being able to see older Um, students in school or the friends of their siblings posting things, if they're over two years older than your child, your child might be exposed to some potentially inappropriate Mm -hmm. content. So for for kids who are three years plus older than your child, I would maybe consider, um, even if your child knows them in real life, not allowing them to be friends. How do they manage that? It's crazy. I know. I know. It's really hard. Um, 
It is. Um, and just do the best you can. Educate yourself about what apps are out there and the different social media platforms. You can't thoroughly keep up, but know enough of the basics so that you can um, provide some feedback about what's appropriate for your child. Um, download them yourself. Practice with right. your friends and partners. Uh, teach your child about safe online behavior, um, so not clicking on links. Um, if they're posting a photo from Instagram, don't tag the location where right. you're posting from. Um, don't share personal information. I think it's really important for parents to to guide children on disabling notifications on their phone so their phone isn't beeping and buzzing time, every time yeah. they get a like. Right, right. Um, and then the biggest one is establishing family rules and involving your child in setting the rules. If you ask your child, um, you know, how much time do you think is reasonable to be on Instagram during the day? Or what do you think is a good time to put your phone down? Or where, where should you keep your phone when you're doing, doing homework? They'll often have some pretty good ideas. Um, but go to screenagers.com. They've got yeah, a lot of great resources for sample rules, sample cell yeah. phone contracts. That can be really helpful. And common sense media is good, too. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Smarties, we will link these um, links when this podcast is live so you can quick quick access those. I think that's really good. Um, well, let's move into – I know we had a lot of other stuff that we kind of talked about. But let's move into cyberbullying because I think this is – Really important um, for it to get your into input on that. Um, what do you? What do we need to look out for? And I think we might need to break it down by age a little bit. You know, like the earlier. Let's start with like middle school because that is that when that's probably when cyberbullying starts, right? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take not it. earlier than that usually because we are not giving our devices to our kids too early, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> that is right. So let's start with sixth grade cyberbullying. Okay. Yeah. So with sixth grade, as you mentioned, um, you know, teens or preteens are starting to get Instagram, for example. Um, and that's typically where a lot of the cyberbullying happens. You know, start snarky comments, um, online drama, honestly, lots of, you know, all ages of teens, about 72% of teens have reported being bullied. Um, and as, as Devin mentioned earlier, that not everybody really realizes what bullying is. Mm-hmm. Um, so noticing if your child is increasing or decreasing their device usage, um, if they are having you know, extreme emotional responses, that could be a good indication, whether it's laughter, um, you know, if they're getting upset by, by posts they're seeing. Um, hiding their screen if they're not being forthcoming with what they're doing or, you know, open to, to discussing it. Right. That can be another a big red flag. Um, you know, if you notice that they are activating and deactivating accounts pretty frequently, that could be a good indication as well. Um, and that kind of goes across all ages. Um, right. You know, again, with, with the younger generation or younger kids, it is harder to have them kind of realize what is Bullying, um, but cyberbullying again can be, you know, really, really hard. Um, it's linked to more suicide attempts in girls, um, and that's yeah. again all, all ages. Um, you know, but going back to again noticing how to tell if they're using um, the the screens too much and being bullied, just like changes in mood, if they're um, acting different, if they're becoming withdrawn, those can all be really good indications of of what's going on behind the screen. Do you see a rise in the power of a group chat, like a group mentality? I've seen that with my kids, with my girls in particular. Like if you're not in the group chat, you're out. 
And um, it seems like there's not as much loyalty and true friendship and girl power, you know, girl power that we grew up with. Um, these girls are, if someone creates the group chat and, you know, Jen and Ansley are best friends, but only Jen gets on the group chat, Jen's not going to say, hey, what about Ansley? Because they're fearful that they're not, they're, they're just lucky to make it. And they're, the way that teens are communicating is all through group chats. Mm-hmm. And that is really scary to me. And I've seen, I've, you know, we have firsthand experience with, you know, being deleted from Instagram and stuff from group chats and tagging and not tagging at very important high school milestones. And, you know, behind the scenes, there's one person who's the leader and then none of the others speak up. And um, I mean, have you seen that? in your experiences with with kids? Yeah, definitely. I think that it can be very hurtful for kids when they're left out of group chats or when they're not tagged in a meme, for example. It's something that I think, you know, it looked different um, for future generations where people were still, of course, left out. We didn't um, know it. We didn't, so we didn't know care. it as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think now you can't really get away from it. You're always able to, to, to check through some back channel and put pieces together and figure out that you were omitted. Right. Or you don't even have to check. They don't care. They blast it, which mm-hmm. is really bizarre. It's bizarre. The psychology behind that is very bizarre to me. Um, because I, I don't know, the way I grew up, it was like I wanted all my people to be with me. So my people might have only been seven people or six people or four, but they were always, you know, it was like we would do anything for each other. That's not how it is now. They seem to, um, you know, it's the power of the group chat, the power of the person hosting or, you know, there's lots of power plays that come into play. And, you know, if you're not, if your kid doesn't have that power, you know, it's it's like it's really hard. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. I don't know what the solution is. I just know what I've observed. <laughs> um, okay, and so you know what? I guess in closing, because we've we've talked a long time, but what? How can parents encourage their children to talk to them all along the journey? You know, like I feel like the most important piece is open dialogue with your kids not being friends with your kids, but, um, you know, open dialogue. So what tips do you have for that? So I think when there is a role infraction, um, try to come at it from an interested rather than an accusatory perspective. So more of a, hey, what do you think happened here versus how could you do this? Um, Some aspects can seem kind of silly to us as adults about social media, like keeping up a Snapchat streak. We might not really understand why that seems to be so important. Such a waste of time. Right. But don't say that to (laughs) your child because that polarizes them further. They dig their heels in. Um, So we we keep those types of comments to ourselves. um, And we try to make a lot of positive comments about our children's social media use. So talk about how the app seems neat. Um, uh, When your child does do something that's an appropriate or a clever post or one of their friends does, give them feedback about that. So look for any opportunity you have to give them that positive reinforcement. Um, And then so, you know, you mentioned the social dilemma before, and I think that viewing things like the social dilemma. Together. Yes, the Screenagers Mm -hmm. movie. The Screenagers website has conversation starters. There's a great podcast called um, Hidden Brain. The episode is You Can't Hit Unsend from September 9th, 2019. And that one is about someone who 
um, had their uh, admittance to, I think it was Harvard University, rescinded due to some things they posted. Um, So just opportunities to to have those conversations with your child that's not necessarily driven by you. You know, you can both kind of comment on what you're you're both being presented with from like a neutral perspective. When we do that as a family, because my kids are four years apart, so they hit, you know, they're, they hit, they, they see a lot. And um, so we often use other people's posts as conversation yes. starters at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Not that we're looking at it at the dinner table, but, hey, I saw this. What do you think? Yes. And um, particularly on Sunday night dinner. Well, now we're at dinners all the time together, which is awesome. So we're talking a lot more. Mm-hmm. But we've done that a lot from day one. And, you know, the younger kids benefit from that because they're a little more equipped coming into it. Um, so I think that's great. Uh, Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Smarties, you can find Child and Family Development on childandfamilydevelopment.com and Facebook at Child and Family Development and Instagram, Child and Family DEV. And as you know, you can find us daily on charlottesmartypants.com on Facebook and Instagram at charlottesmartypants and Twitter at charlottesmarty. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com.